Today, we're going to talk to John Miller with the question behind the question. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hi, Rory. Hey, Paul. It's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity again, my friend. Well, I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where you talk about coaching and how it helps people grow up to their potential and, Absolutely. Be, and beyond. Uh, I always like to ask this question because I think it's important for people to know. Mm -hmm. Why is coaching so important and why do you focus on it? It's been the most powerful tool I've come across uh, with working with managers. I just wish I had done this a long time ago. But if they truly want to improve the trajectory of their career, if they truly want to improve the trajectory of their employees, their team members, uh, there's no better way to do that than open the lines of communication through coaching. You don't have to say anything ugly or snarky. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll just give you a real quick example. I was talking to a client this week and she called me and said, uh, you know, I, they're, they're thinking about promoting this guy to being a CEO. And if he's the CEO, I'm not going to stay. And I said, you know, what's the issue? And he goes, a long time ago, he said something snarky to me in a team meeting. And I just haven't been able to forget it. <laughs> and, and it was two or three years ago. And she goes, I'm going to leave because of that. And then she went to talk to him about it. And he just never had the tools to, re to, to resolve the issue. Mm -hmm. And with coaching, he could have said to her, you know, what should I have done differently? How should I have done it? You know, can I make a promise to you? I won't do that again. It, you know, keep me help me make sure that I keep that promise to you. I want you to let me know when I overstep the bounds or when I make a mistake. And I think if he had done that, they probably would have repaired the relationship. And now he's going to lose a really good employee yeah. because you're um, uh, going to lose a really good employee because he didn't deal with the issue mm -hmm. effectively. Mm -hmm. And that's where coaching would come in. So you can have those what I call sweaty palm conversations, but in a productive way. So that's how important it is to your organization. And you, again, have talked to another master coach, kind of like mm -hmm. yourself, because right. you want to bring more information. You talked mm -hmm. to John Miller. Yeah, John Miller wrote a book called Question Behind the Question. I read it many years ago. I can still remember reading it on the plane, and I just love the book. And then uh, here about a month or so ago, I decided, you know, I'm going to reach out to John. And he was incredibly gracious, replied back to me immediately. Uh, set up a time right away to have a conversation. And we did the interview over Zoom, and he was just an absolutely terrific interview. And he just had great information to say about personal accountability. I, I go in around and I've asked CEOs this question. And the reason this book is so important is CEOs, I ask them, what is one of the things that you would like to teach your managers to do more effectively? And he always talks about personal accountability. And so with this, that's what the whole book is about with QBQ. It's about building personal accountability. So when we can ask questions that build personal accountability, guess what? We're going to make our CEOs more happier. Uh, they're going to be more fulfilled. They're going to say, yeah, this manager is really on track. So if you want to improve your career as a manager, if you want to improve your career as a coach, learn to how to ask the questions with questions behind the question. and It'll truly make an impact with senior leadership. You'll be recognized and it'll put your career on another trajectory. So I just think it's another tool, another uh, bullet in your in your uh, you know your your chest there to be able to pull out and use. And it just makes you a more powerful coach, makes you more effective, and makes you have the ability to truly impact people in a way that you should. So I love the technique, I love the idea, and so we're as coaches always looking at how to ask questions. And the question behind the question is just another way to look at that. Well, um, I'm excited to hear the conversation. I did. I got to be honest with you. I thought you said we were going to talk about 
when you said QBQ, I thought you said barbecue, and I was <laughs> thinking that's good for those of us based here in Kansas City. But yeah, I mean, uh, I got to tell you, Kansas City has great barbecue. I always, I always thought it was just Kansas City bloviating and and you know tooting our horn own horn. But uh, in my travels as a speaker over the last uh, 30 years or so, I've been everywhere in the country, and I would literally go and try the barbecue locally. And I got to tell you, Kansas City barbecue is really, truly remarkable. I like the thick uh, sauce. I like the thick base. I don't like the uh, the vinegar or thinner brands elsewhere. And it's just a great way to have barbecue. So you're right. Uh, oh, good. At uh, least however, talk about we, a I bit. didn't bring any barbecue to, to, to eat today. Yeah. And we're just going to talk about QBQ and not uh, barbecue. So QBQ can be the nourishment for your coaching ability. How Absolutely. We'll, it is a great nutrient that you need yes. to make you a better coach, make you a stronger coach. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So here is your conversation with John Miller. Rory, thank you. Glad to be here. John, I just love the book. I remember the day I was reading it in the plane, and you tell the story at the first of the book about a billboard you saw in Houston, Texas, about personal responsibility. Take us right from there. Well, because I was already out speaking on personal accountability, personal responsibility, and I think I was actually excited to see that someone had decided to put a billboard up in Houston, Texas that asked that question. I thought, all right, I'm not the only one who realizes accountability and responsibility are rare today. It was just fun to see, so we decided to open the book with it. John, I absolutely love it. You talk in your book about the I choose concept, or really IQs concept. The reason I made that mistake is this morning I was putting that in my voice activation in my phone, and when I said IQs, like the letter Q, it came back and said, I choose. So, John, talk a little bit about that, the IQs. Absolutely. Let me give you a little background. I was out selling training for about a decade in Minneapolis, St. Paul, sat in sessions for about 10,000 hours with uh, really good people, mostly middle-level managers, some frontline managers, some senior executives. And it took a few years for me to catch on, Rory, but one day I decided people tend to ask lousy questions or incorrect questions, IQs. That's what I decided to label it, IQs. So those questions tended to sound like, why do we have to go through all this change? And when is that department going to do its job right? And who made the mistake? Why can't we find good people? So I, I heard these questions, and one day I said, what if we asked a different question? What if we took, why do we have to go through all this change, an IQ, an incorrect question, and turned it around and called it the question behind the question, and it would sound like this, you know, how can I adapt to the changing world? So instead of whining about change, take personal accountability, ownership, responsibility, and ask how can I change me? How can I adapt to the changing world? And so that's that's how it all started. So it was about 1994. I took this little new idea I'd had about QBQs and IQs, and I went over to a client in Little Canada, Minnesota. It's a suburb north of St. Paul. And I taught it at St. Jude Medical, one of the wealthiest, most successful firms in America. They make heart valves. And I came back a few months later, Rory, and you can understand this as a teacher, speaker, coach yourself. The VP of operations and the VP of HR were standing in their office with me. We were all kind of standing around for a few minutes talking about a problem. And one of them said, hey, we need to ask the question behind the question. And I remember thinking, wow, three months later, they're using it. I've got something here. So within a year, I left the training company I'd been selling training for, went off on my own, started teaching QBQ, personal accountability, 
and helping people avoid IQs, which took me to some traps we can talk about. The rest is history. You know, 25 years later, that's all we do at the QBQ company is we teach personal accountability. John, I absolutely love it. You talk in your book about the gap, and it was really a concept by Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits. He says between stimulus and response is the gap where you always have a choice. Can you explain that in greater detail? Because I just thought that was a great concept in your book. Well, actually, I want to speak to something you just said, Stephen Covey. When, when his book, Seven Habits, was hot, it came out around 1990, 91. I was developing QBQ a few years later, and I was I was working with the Carlson companies up in Minnesota. They own Radisson and the TGIF restaurants and a lot of things. And I'll never forget, one of the trainers who loved Covey, when he read or heard me speak on QBQ, I hadn't written the book yet, he said, oh, my gosh, QBQ is the drill down for be proactive. Mm. He said it's the piece that it's he said it's the missing link. It's great to tell someone to be proactive and make better choices, but QBQ shows us how to do it. So I'll never forget that moment. It was a fun moment for me as a young speaker to have someone say, okay, take the Covey stuff, marry it with QBQ, and you've got powerful content. And it's just all about asking a better question. I mean, stimulus response, I don't get into psychology. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a Cornell University grad who went out and sold training and learned a lot of stuff from my clients. And one thing I learned is we all have stuff happen to us and there's nothing new about this. Everybody has said this. 90% of life is how we respond, not what happens to us. And so the QBQ, the book QBQ and the idea QBQ, Rory, gives us a way to respond differently. It's, it's, let's take for a moment parents who might tell their teens, make good choices. Well, that becomes a bit of a speech and a lecture until we show them how. So if we show people how to respond more effectively, if we, if we show people how to make better choices, then we've really done a good service to them. And that's what QBQ does. So when you're coaching someone, obviously you'll get nowhere if they don't take accountability. But once you, once you get them to understand accountability and take responsibility for their life and personal changes they want to make, then QBQ helps them understand when something goes wrong, someone drops the ball, someone in their life makes a mistake, they know how to respond in a healthier manner. And that's what QBQ does. It helps me make better choices. I love this in the book where you say the answers are in the questions. I just love that, how the questions are the answers. I just think it's absolutely a brilliant way to explain this concept. So could you give us more detail on that? Well, thank you, Rory. Coming from another speaker, that's a big compliment. I appreciate that. The power of QBQ is in its practicality. Um, so let's talk about some of the why, when, and whose questions we, who questions we might ask. Something goes wrong on the job. Who made the mistake? Well, isn't there a better question there? How about this one? What can I do to help solve the problem? Mm -hmm. When change is happening inside our organizations, why do we have to go through all this change? Wait a minute. Isn't there a better question there? What can I do to adapt? When someone uh, is asking, when are they going to tell us what's going on? When is the CEO going to give us the vision? When will that department do its job right? How about turning those questions around and asking, well, how can I be my best today? So the QBQ methodology teaches us to avoid why questions because they take us to victim thinking, when questions because they lead us to procrastination. You know, like when is someone going to uh, 
to solve that problem over there. Well, wait a minute. What can I do to improve the place? The minute I say, when will they, I've decided I'm going to procrastinate and delay action. And then, of course, the who questions are all about blame. In my outstanding book, and I'm not saying my book is outstanding. I'm saying my book titled Outstanding, 47 Mm -hmm. Ways to Make Your uh, Organization Exceptional. We have a whole chapter on do not seek culprits. Outstanding organizations, outstanding managers, Rory, do not run around seeking culprits. And so the whole message of QBQ is not to ask who did it, but to start asking, well, what can I do right now to solve the problem? How can I contribute? So getting rid of the whys and the whens and the whos help me as a human being eliminate victim thinking, procrastination, and blame. And we're seeing a lot of blame in the world today. And the minute I start asking these better questions, I have become in many ways, Rory, an outstanding person because society supports victim thinking and blame. But I Mm -hmm. am going to be different. Rory is going to be different. We're going to ask questions that put me on a higher plane, that path of personal accountability, right back to that billboard. In Houston, whatever happened to personal responsibility? Well, we can bring it back one person at a time, and it starts with me. On page 31 in your book, you had a great question. How can I manage my changing role in the world? And now in the midst of this pandemic, how do we deal with that? How do we handle our changing role in the world? You know, I could take that question a lot of directions, Rory. I'm going to focus on the power of QBQ. Uh, do, you know, do you know who Dave Ramsey is, may I ask? Absolutely. I love Dave Ramsey's stuff. And matter of fact, we live by his principles. In 2008, when my income dropped by half with the Great Recession, my wife and I didn't have to worry about anything. As a self-employed, or I call it self-unemployed speaker, we were able to navigate that with no trouble whatsoever. <laughs> Good for you. Well, the reason I mentioned Dave is he's had me on his program a few times over the years. And it all started when he found the QBQ book in the Memphis airport. He told me the story many times. He he stood there and read about half of it because it's about an hour read. Then he felt so guilty, he thought he should buy it. So, so, so he bought it. And every time he's had me on his program, Dave Ramsey has asked, so John, what's the number one takeaway from QBQ for most people? And I never have a problem answering that question, Rory, just like you wouldn't with your content, I say. I can only change me. And what we're seeing in this pandemic is a lot of fear and panic and a lot of people telling other people how to live their life. And I just don't understand it. Just ask, what can I do to be safe? What can I do to to be my best? What can I do to protect my family? What can I do to adapt? I love that. And you've got a concept in the book which I absolutely love, and that is, how can I better understand you? which was really a very, very powerful question for me. In my coaching, it dramatically changed my life. It's helped me improve my influence, my impact, uh, my lifestyle. It's allowed me to do something that's really powerful in my life. And how can I better understand you? And teaching coaches how to better understand their folks is such an important concept and idea. As we all know, one of the powerful things we can do is demonstrate interest in others. And I don't know any other way to do it other than to ask them questions. Now, that's so obvious, but the manager leader who talks, talks, talks and lectures, 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 there's no way he or she is getting to understand and getting to know the people. I was raised up in this business by a man named Steve Brown, Rory. He wrote a book called 13 Fatal Errors Managers Make and How to Avoid Them. 
I know people would read it now written in 1985 and they're going to think it's kind of sexist because it talks mostly about men as managers, blah, blah, blah. But the content was excellent. And he used to talk about a manager who comes in. I remember the example he used to use. Uh, someone comes in frustrated and the manager says to the employee, what's wrong? What's bothering you? Well, somebody just ran into my car in the parking lot and put a big dent in it. And Steve would say, the bad, the lousy manager would say, you think that's bad? You should have seen the time I was splattered all over Highway 80. <laughs> so the manager, would, he, he would talk about, don't be a topper. Don't be a topper. And I always remember that. You know, your, your employee comes in, your staff member comes in frustrated, ask the question, and then let them share. Get to know them. Understand their feelings. You can't coach somebody when you're talking at least initially it begins with that powerful process of asking questions now i am not a formal coach like you are rory but you know we have seven kids how much coaching do you think we're doing around here lots a lot <laughs> our kids range in age from 21 up to 37 there's a lot of coaching and i know as a father when i'm lecturing they're probably not listening when i'm asking a question to better understand I'm communicating by understanding them. So, so much of this good relational stuff that Rory, you and I might talk about, it all begins with showing interest in people through asking good questions. And I just saw the movie about Fred Rogers, and he tells a story in there, or there's a quote, and I'm not sure if I'm doing it justice, but it says, once you hear a person's story, you can't help but love them. And that was Fred Rogers' philosophy of life, to love the people around him. And with that, we have the concept of the power of one. Help me understand your concept of the power of one. What are your thoughts on that? It's chapter one of the QBQ book tells the story of Jacob and the Diet Coke. And I won't go into the details here. That's why it's in the book. But the, <laughs> the power of that story, the power of that story is, is Jacob, the server at the Rock Bottom restaurant, didn't complain about his peers didn't whine about not getting paid more. He didn't blame his boss for lack of training. Uh, he didn't blame the corporation for their pricing or the products they carried or didn't carry. He simply got me the product that day that I wanted, that Diet Coke. And the power of one stood out because in any organization, just like we talk about in the Outstanding book, uh, your organization could be mediocre, but you can still be outstanding. Outstanding never starts with the other department, the other division, the other region, the corporate office, the home office, or the branch offices. Being outstanding always begins with me. And none of this is new. The power of one person. We have learned to hide behind teams, Rory. And the minute we say, wait a minute, the team is only as good as its pillars. And the pillars on which a team stands are Rory and John and Susan and Kirsten. So when those individual pillars take personal accountability by asking, what can I do to help the team move forward? That's the power of one. You know, I'm a huge fan of Harry Truman. And he had a motto that he used in which called decide and act. And would you call Harry Truman a disciple of QBQ before you actually labeled QBQ? Uh, and he also had another idea that he liked, which was 
for successful people, their first victory is over self. And so would you consider Harry Truman a disciple of QBQ before it was QBQ? Well, of course, we all know, or most people know, his famous, the buck stops here quote. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that I usually use. So I compliment Rory on being unique and different and not giving me the same Harry Truman quote that most people do. So good for you, Rory. You must really know the man. Do you know the story of how he got the plaque, The Buck Stops Here? No. Go ahead. Tell me. It was actually a gift from a guy named Fred Canfield, and he was actually his title at the county when Harry Truman worked there as county executive. Basically, they called it county judge. But uh, he was Fred Canfield's boss, but they became good friends. Fred Canfield was called the marshal. And so he actually gave Harry Truman the plaque, the buck stops here, right before his trip to uh, Potsdam. And so Harry said to him, he said, Fred, you're retired. You want to ride to Potsdam with me? And so he did. He rode the boat all the way across the ocean in order to negotiate uh, the end of World War II with Stalin and Winston Churchill. And when Fred Canfield was with him, he would actually introduce him to the Soviets at the time. Now they call them the Russians. But And he would say, this is Marshal Canfield. And, of course, all of the uh, Marshal, all of course, the Russian soldiers would stand at salute and, you know, give him great uh, dignity because in the Russian or in the Soviet Union, Marshal is a like a five-star general. So Harry Truman found great humor in that story, and that's a little bit of the background. That's kind of the story behind the story of The Buck Stops Here. And Harry Truman just got a big kick of telling that story later. Oh, I bet he did. I bet he did. Well, words have, words have meanings, but they mean different things to different people, I guess. But this is one of the last questions I'll ask. What have you learned about the world, or how do you view the world differently because you wrote this book? That's an interesting question. Going back 25 years when I came up with the concept of QBQ, the question behind the question, and then one day I was speaking for State Farm out in Charlottesville, Virginia, and during a break, somebody, two, two State Farm employees ran up to me and they said, oh, you got to put this into a book. And that's kind of what led me to think, okay, I better write the book. So we wrote the book. And now it's in the fifth edition. We've sold, you know, a lot of copies. What has been pleasing beyond imagination, Rory, is how far and wide the concept in the book have gone. Let me give you an example. Last year, I did a phone call with some veterans. And, and Rory, we're talking about guys older than you and me. I missed the Viet, excuse me, born in 58. I missed the Vietnam War by about five years, thank heavens. But these guys were Vietnam War vets, vets. They were Iraqi War vets, you know, Gulf War vets. And they're in counseling to deal with their PTSD. And they were studying the QBQ book. And then I've had pastors take the QBQ book into prisons for their ministries. And then we've had marital counselors using QBQ with couples. And then like you, we've had coaches hand a QBQ book to a, a client as the coaching relationship begins because you just, you can't carve rotten wood. Don't take that negatively. You can't carve rotten wood. You must build a foundation of accountability before you can coach. So the, the long answer, the short answer here is I have been pleased beyond imagination, as I said, with how people have found different uses and applications for this concept. And so the conclusion for me is there's absolutely nowhere in my life personal accountability 
does not apply. I am a husband of 40 years this June. I'm a dad to seven, a grandpa to 11. I'm a professional speaker like you. I'm a sales guy. I'm a community member. Where does personal accountability not apply? There, there is no place it doesn't work. Good stuff. So, John, please forgive me. I know I said I was going to ask one more question, but I do have a question about a manager I've been working with, and she's got an employee. She's struggling with her goals. She's frustrated. She doesn't know what to do. And this manager has really not been taught how to coach this person, how to manage this person. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, Rory, I sold management training for 10 years. So there's a lot of skills and processes and methods that managers need to bring to the table. And I'll be blunt, most managers have never been trained to manage. They were elevated because they were a good salesperson, a good software development person, a good inventory control person, and then just one day, bam, someone said, you're now the manager, and they've never been really trained on people management skills. So I would send that message to anybody out there who's a manager. Don't wait for your company to train you. Seek out excellent people management skills training because 90% of you were promoted and not trained. Okay, with that said, any manager who has someone struggling needs to take the QBQ, look in the mirror, and say, have I done all I can for this person? Have mm -hmm. I been there? Have I coached them? Have I confronted them when they're off track? Have I trained them? Have I gotten to know them? If the answer to the questions is yes, I've done all I can, then it might be time to release that person and let them go struggle somewhere else, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. But most managers, most managers, yes, will look in the mirror and, and when they start really self-reflecting, they'll realize, you know, eight or nine times out of ten, they haven't done everything they can for that person. Now, we don't, we don't want to adopt people or enable people, but that manager needs to ask, what can I do? to learn new management skills to help this person. Now, and eventually, you may still have to release them to the marketplace, but don't do it until you know you've done everything you can. That's personal accountability. I agree completely, and I agree with your concept, too, that so many people are promoted but not trained on how to be managers. John, I loved having you on the program today. I love your book, The QBQ. So how do people get a hold of you if they want to have you speak for their organization or have you do consulting for their company? Thanks, Rory. QBQ.com. It's that simple, QBQ.com. I always chuckle at that question. It's the right question. I love the question. But, you know, 20 years ago, my... My first book came out. We won't get into that. It was called Personal Accountability, and it was 300 pages. And I eventually took – I downsized that to come up with this, the QBQ, which then took off. <laughs> but people used to say, John, how do we reach you? And, you know, we used to give 800 numbers and mailing addresses. <laughs> and now it's like, hey, three letters, QBQ.com. There you go. That is the easiest way to do it. And, John, I want to thank you for being on the program today, Coaching for Potential. I cannot thank you enough. Appreciate it. And that was Rory's conversation with John Miller, QBQ. Good stuff. He just has great stories. He's just got such great content, and he's been a, a keynote speaker for so long. And I was just thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to him. And he inspired me on, a, on another project that I will share with the folks later. So not only did we have a conversation there, but he actually inspired me to do some work on some things I'm working on, and we'll be making announcements on that in the next 
couple of months or so, but uh, I love what he did. And I just love his storytelling and just the concepts of making sure that we have personal accountability rather than asking questions about, oh my God, this department's doing that or this department's doing that. Asking the question, what can I do to mm-hmm. improve that? What can I do to make it better? How can I improve our team? And that really is a great question for you to ask your team members is, okay, they come into you moaning and groaning, complaining, crying, whatever it might be, uh, then to turn that around and say, okay, what can we do? What can you do? What can I do? What can we do as a team, the two of us, in order to make that a more uh, productive and a more profitable transaction? How do we improve the teamwork here on the team rather than saying, oh, you're right, you know, that that person is just, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then that just becomes a complaint session Whereas QBQ really focuses on how do we come up with a solution on personal accountability. And ultimately, as a coach, when you can improve the personal accountability of your team, you're going to be more successful. Mm-hmm. What I like about the uh, conversation is focusing on the – you always talk about questions. Right. Right. If you get a coach to know that they need to use questions, mm-hmm. that's a big step. But the next step is really getting advanced with what questions you use and when you use them. Yeah. And, and I think that's really what you say there is a really important key. Remember we had John, uh, excuse me, Jerry Connor on, mm-hmm. uh, as the last podcast. He wrote the book, The Four Greatest Coaching Conversations. And uh, one of the things that he said to me that was really powerful, it's not so important the question you ask. It's more important when you ask the mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. And so when you see an employee struggling or something like that, that, you know, don't wait, don't put it off, go to them and find out what's in fact happening and what's going on in their life. So asking that question to uh, to improve the group is a much better way to go about it. It's not so much the question, but when is the question asked? Uh, because then they know you're caring. They see that you, you're aware of their emotional intelligence. You're like, I see they're struggling. How can I help them? And I had a, a manager just recently share a story where she was walking past an employee's office. She looked overwhelmed. She popped her head in and goes, hey, what's going on? She goes, oh, my God, this is just too much with the COVID that's going on. I'm overwhelmed. Uh, she talked to her for a moment. Another manager uh, overheard that or another employee overheard it and says, oh, I've got some time. I'd be happy to help you. And so by recognizing that employee's struggles, by asking the question, how are you doing? Another employee came in, their teamwork was better, and it was just a great solution. And again, just by asking a question, mm-hmm. or in this case, the right question at the right time, really made an impact on the morale of the organization. And that's one of the things that you can do as a coach. And I think that's why it's so important to have the question behind the question, how do we improve the accountability uh, of the team? How do we improve the accountability of ourselves? And how do we make our mindset that we're going to work at so look at solutions rather than just looking at problems? You can pick up uh, QBQ, the question behind the question, practic- practicing personal accountability in work and life. He's mm-hmm. got it under, uh, he, he has a CD, he has um, one of the different formats here, hardback, paperback, audiobook, um, I mean, it's very affordable, too, on on Amazon. So everyone should check that out. Yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend that people get a copy of it. It's a great book. It's a quick read. Um, He he tells a story in there that, you know, took somebody about an hour to read it. So it's a great read. But it's also a great read from the perspective of read it from a coaching perspective. Mm -hmm. What of these questions can I use to make me a better coach? Yes. Now, if I have a question for you, and what's behind the question is, giving people information about how they can, how can people contact you, Rory, if they have a question, either whether it's behind another question or not for you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they can get a hold of me on my 
uh, website, RoyRoland.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-O-W-L-A-N-D.com. Uh, they can also get a hold of me uh, at uh, Coaching Manager University, and that's Rory at CoachingManager.University. They can just send me an email there, and I'll actually, I haven't put it on the on the, uh, the show notes, but I think I'll just start adding my contact information in the show notes so people get a hold of me if they want to. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Okay, well, thanks for your time, Rory. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.